you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So the question is, who is your enemy? The Bible tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. There are many people today who believe God is the source of their struggle, that God is the one who causes the destruction we see in this world. But are those statements actually true, or are they a fabrication of the real enemy? For the Bible also tells us of a being whose sole purpose is to undermine everything God has done, including you. For if we believe God to be real, then his enemy must also be Satan, the once perfect angel who was cast out of heaven has been roaming the earth like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Throughout scripture, we see story after story of the lies and accusations he creates. And if we believe what the Bible says, then we know he will never stop trying to deceive us. The Five Lies of the Devil, part one. The title of my message is, really? <laughs> Have you ever been reallyed by anybody? And by that I mean a teenager. <laughs> really? You know what that means, right? Like they're, 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 <laughs> they're offended that she would do that. And so you do it, and they're like, really? Okay, boomer. Right? That's what they do. And this, this message title comes from the book of Genesis chapter 3. The very first words of the devil on the page of the Bible. Let me see if you can fill in the blank before we put it up on the screen. Did God, there you go, really say? And here's the thing about that word. That word, it speaks to um, ridiculousness. Like, Really, you're, are you ridiculous, really? And some of you need to hear this word from the devil because it's always being broadcast into your mind or into your heart one way or another. So it comes from Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The very first words of the devil are these. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say... Really? Like, you're going to believe that guy who made all this stuff? Really? He said, nothing's, nothing, you can't eat nothing, really? And, and I just think about, this is a lie from the pit in so many ways. We're going to talk about that today. But we have to be aware that the devil is alive and well. He's got a demonic horde, an army of demons who are out to get you. Jesus talked about the devil. Jesus was tempted by the devil. The scriptures are clear. The devil is real. I want you to write this down. This is the fact that underlies the purpose of this series. Scripture is purposely not silent on Satan. He appears, this is really kind of interesting, he appears in the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, and he is finally and eternally cast down in the third from the last chapter of the Bible. How's that for symmetry? 
Genesis chapter 3, he appears. Revelation chapter 20, he meets his final doom. And all from Genesis 3 through Revelation 20, there's the devil. Some of you are saying to me, really? You're going to preach a whole message on the devil? Really? A whole series? Really? Yes. Because to the extent that you deny that he exists, you are playing right into his hands. He wants you, don't you understand? He wants you to believe that he's not real. He wants you to blame God for what he does. There's this big movement in our modern scientific age. The devil's not a real thing. He's a metaphor. He's the uh, symbol of evil. In the Bible, you know, you got to take some things literally, but not everything literally. And so the devil, you know, that's one of those things you just don't take literally. Really? You're going to be one of those kind of churches that actually believe there's this guy with a pitchfork and horns that you can't see that's running around? Yes. We're going to take the scriptures literally, and to the extent that you don't believe in the devil. I'll tell you something, he's excited if you don't believe. He likes that if you don't believe in the devil. There is this great artist from the 1970s, Christian, secular turned Christian artist. His name was Keith Green. How many remember Keith Green? Six of us. Okay. I've been saved a long time, so I remember Keith Green. He got radically saved from drugs and alcohol. He was one of the hippies who became a Jesus person in the 1970s. And he wrote incredible songs. He wrote one song called No One Believes in Me Anymore. And he was singing from the first person of the devil's voice this whole song. No one believes in me anymore. This is the 1970s. This is a prophetic song. And he just says these words. I love it. I'm just going to read some of the lyrics to you. He said, oh, heaven's just a state of mind. My book read on your shelf. Oh, have you heard that God is dead? I made that one up myself. They're dabbling with magic spells. They get their fortunes read you know, they heard the truth but turned away and followed me instead. Everyone likes a winner. With my help, you're guaranteed to win. Hey, man, you ain't no sinner. No, you've got the truth within. And as your life slips by, you believe the lie that you did it on your own. But don't worry, I'll be there to help you share a dark eternal home. A dark eternal home. Oh, my job just keeps getting easier as time slips into, uh, day slips into day. The magazines, the newspapers, print every word I say. This world is just my spinning top. It's like child's play. You know I dreamed that it would never stop, but I know it's not that way. Still, my work goes on and on, always stronger than before. I'm going to make it dark before the dawn since no one believes in me anymore. I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open up their doors. You know, no one is watching for my tricks since no one believes in me anymore. Well, I'm gaining power by the hour. They're falling by the score. You know, it's getting very easy now since no one believes in me anymore. Mm. That's a good word right there. That's a good word. To the extent that you deny that there is a personal and real devil, you play right into his hands and his plans for your life. How can you look at the world that we live in and deny that there's a devil? Have you heard of the Middle East? Have you heard of murder and adultery and fornication? Have you heard of child abuse? Have you heard of sexual cover-up in the church? 
Look at our political system, the infighting, the nastiness, the vitriol. One party for another, and then we do the same in our conversations over the dinner table. Where does that come from? How can you deny that there is a devil when the world has known almost no peace since the dawn of mankind on this planet? Every, every year, at every moment, there's a war happening somewhere. Look at the upending of societal norms in our culture today. Look at the destruction of the family. Look at the, uh, the de-elevation of father and mother and the escalation of the young thinking they know everything. Look at the way in which the world turns on itself again and again and again. There's a devil, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you, and to the extent that you don't believe in him, you are playing right into his hands. The scripture wants you to know he's there. There's no greater definition of the devil than in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Revelation chapter 12, 9 and 10 says this, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the what? If you got your notes out, circle devil, and Satan, circle Satan, the two names of our adversary. The deceiver, circle deceiver, of who? Of the whole world. And then look at this, the accuser, circle accuser. That's what he does. He accuses, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, he has been thrown down, who accuses them when? All the time, day and night, before our God. He is out to get you. The word Satan means opponent. The word devil means deceiver or liar or slanderer. What do you do when you slander someone? You question their character. You libel them. You make them look worse than they are. You lie about who they are. You, this is what slander is. You lie about someone's character. Don't you understand that the devil does that to you all the time? Where do you get that voice in your head that says you're no good? Where do you get that voice in your heart that says you're worthless? The animals don't run around thinking they're worthless. They love themselves. People run around, I'm worthless, I'm a nobody, I got nothing to offer. Where do you get that voice in your head, young person? Why don't you just kill yourself? Nobody's gonna miss you. Where do you get that voice in your head that says you got nothing to offer the world? Where do you get that voice in your head that says it's gonna get worse for you, it's gonna get worse for you? Where do you get that voice in your head that says that God hates you, God is bad for you, God doesn't exist? Where does that come from? It comes from your enemy. And to the extent that you disbelieve he exists, you are playing right into his hand. And the, the, the scriptures are very clear that we've gotta be aware of this. We've gotta be aware that the devil is out there and he attacks. Jesus talked about the devil in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he said, you are of your father the devil. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the what? The father of lies. Everything out of his mouth is a lie. So three things you need to know about your enemy. Three things you need to know about the devil. Number one, he is a real spiritual opponent. Number two, he accuses me day and night. Number three, he lies all the time. Wants to make sure that you don't believe these things so that you can blame your problems on chemicals, imbalance, other people, politicians, the weather, your area, your neighbor. 
your parents or your kids. And that way he can divide and conquer. That's been his strategy since Cain and Abel. Divide and conquer. He wants you to get away from the church. He wants you to stay out of this house. He's telling you right now, don't listen to that guy. Don't listen to that guy on stage. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's uneducated. He's one of those mythological believers. He's so uneducated. Don't listen to that guy. He's got to yell because he doesn't really believe what he's saying. <laughs> that just proves he doesn't really know me because I yell all the time. The devil wants to put these seeds of doubt in your, in your mind about God's existence. He wants you to question your purpose. He wants to question whether your life really matters. He wants to do this to you day and night. Day and night. And to the extent that you disbelieve him, disbelieve that he exists, you play right into his hands. So God wants you to know this. This is the series theme. This is the series theme for, our, for this next five weeks. Your Father in heaven wants you to know the truth about the devil's lies. I find it very ironic, and this is just me like thinking things out as I prepared this series. I find it very ironic that the devil's words are written in Holy Scripture. Think about that. I am a conservative theologian, which means that I believe that this is the inher inerrant word of God. I believe that the words on these pages are not just words of men. They are the very living, breathing words of Almighty God. But did you ever think about this? The devil's words are in these words. Kind of ironic. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me God's not a dictator. What do you mean, pastor? What I mean is that usually a dictator is defined by snuffing out all the opposing opinions of his reign. What does Hitler do in Nazi Germany? He burns all the books. Where is the Bible right now illegal? In Yemen, in North Korea, where there are dictators on the thrones of those countries that are so full of insecurity, they have to quiet and silence any dissenting voice. It's one of the beautiful things about this country, which we are teetering on losing, the freedom of speech. That proves that this country is not a dictatorship. That proves that this country has freedom when they don't silence dissenting voices. Now, that's starting to change in this country, and you better watch out because it is. But on the pages of Scripture, God is like, I want you to hear him. Here, listen to him. Listen to the enemy. Know how he talks. Know his ways. Know your enemy's tactics so that you can fight back and not fight in your power and not fight in your strength or in your intellect. Because you versus the devil is a losing proposition every single day. And God does not want you fighting the devil with your own power. No, my friend, that is not true at all. God has sent Jesus Christ, his son, and he has disarmed through the blood of Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. He disarmed the spiritual forces of wickedness. He made a mockery of them on the cross. And now he rules supreme over all the spirits of this world. And those who are in Christ Jesus have authority in his name to fight back, not in their own power, but in the power of the name of Jesus. So while we talk about the devil, please make sure that you understand that in Christ Jesus we are talking about a defeated enemy. But it doesn't mean we don't fight. It doesn't mean that he's not going to try to act like he's not defeated. So God wants us to know what he's been doing, what he's been up to. And 1 Peter 5.8, our great leader of the church, 
the rock on which this church was built. It said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Someone, underline one, because it's usually just an individual battle. If he can get you, he can get the people around you. If he can get you, husband, he can start to influence your wife. If he can get you, wife, he can start to influence your husband, your kids. He's searching for someone. And in isolation is the devil's playground. He loves it. So I want to talk about the lies of the devil. Because God puts them in the pages of scripture for our good. So we know how to fight. The devil's number one lie is the foundational lie. Somebody say foundational. So this lie belies all other lies. Here it is. It's right from this page of scripture. Did God really say? What is that lie questioning? It is questioning the word of God. It is questioning the scriptures. Isn't it amazing how much the devil works to discredit this book? If he can't do it with war and famine and plague, then he'll do it with education and science and schools. Why? Do you ever think about why is the public school system of this country so intimidated by this book? So utterly intimidated they can't even let kids study it as part of curriculum anymore. Even take out the fact that this is, even if you're one of those people, I don't believe this is the Bible, I don't believe this is God's word. Okay, it is still a historical document. They study Homer, they study Plato, they study Aristotle. Well, this is right in line with that age. No, we can't study that. Well, why? Well, because it's a religion. I thought that God didn't exist based on science. Do you see? He gets you one way or another way. He is intimidating. And this is, this is the thing. This is what the devil wants to do with you right now. He wants to keep this book out of your ears as much as possible. And I have to say, and I don't mean this to be mean, but I have to say this. Some of you are willing accomplices to that plan. You never pick it up. You never read it. You never go to it. You never listen to it. Or you hear it and then you do the exact opposite and you think it's going to go well for you. This is what the scriptures have been teaching us from the dawn of time. That when we listen to the devil, we question God's word. We do life our way. And then we, not anybody else, we pay the price. God wants it to go well with you. God wants you to be strong in the Lord. God wants your life to be blessed. And if you listen to the devil, it will be destroyed. If you listen to Almighty God, it will be unstoppable in Jesus' name. He wants to undermine the word. He wants to get you out of it. So let's tick him off for a second. How many are interested today in ticking off the devil? Let's, let's tick him off. Let's make his new year plan for you miserable. Let's stand and read the word of God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? You shall not eat any of the trees. In the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and there was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the opportunity to hear your voice and to know our enemy's plan through your truth. I think today that there are people in this room or watching on this video that have been listening to the devil or the demons of hell so much they want to end their lives. And I take authority over those thoughts in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that those thoughts are cast down today through the truth that is in Christ Jesus. I sincerely pray, not just for today, but for our whole year, that the word of God will break through to our hearts and minds and help us see Jesus. In his name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Three ways the devil gets you to distrust God's word. And then we're done. Three ways the devil gets you to distrust God's word. Number one, minimization, which I kind of already alluded to. Some of you are happy to go along with this plan. The word of God does not have a big part of your life. Nope. Netflix has a lot of your life. Apple TV has a lot of your life. Disney Plus. NBC Plus. Whatever else plus. Streaming. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Streaming. What does streaming imply? Never ending. Rivers. Floods. Floods of fornication. Floods of lies. Floods of debauchery. Floods. Say, Pastor, I like my shows. <laughs> I don't have a problem that you like shows. I like my shows. My wife and I are watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's very funny. It's very entertaining. But it's filled with garbage. <laughs> I mean, it really is. And there's all kinds of stuff coming into our homes. And I'm not of this mindset that we have to avoid everything and cut everything off. No, I want to know how the world works. I really do. But I want to know how the world works through the lens of God's word. I don't want to just take it as it comes. I was watching a movie on Netflix last night. It's called The Two Popes. What a bunch of garbage. I mean, our poor Catholic friends. I don't, I don't despise Catholics. I, I thank God for Catholics. Thank you, God, for the Catholic Church. But let me tell you something. That movie is garbage. And, yet, and it's amazing how many people are listening to it as if it's gospel truth. And there's all these articles on the, on the, on the, on the internet. You can look them up. Facts versus fiction. 
This is, this is a wonderful tactic of the enemy. Let me rewrite, let me rewrite history with fictional historical accounts. Think about it. Fictional historical accounts. Let me rewrite into what happened in the past a bunch of things that I want to say into that experience so that I can kind of rewrite the present based on making the past a falsehood. That's what's happening right now. Watch out for movies that are coming out right now that are about historical, based, based on, <laughs> inspired by true events, which means we took the events and we repackaged them for our agenda. That's what it is. Please, please, please listen to me. I was watching this last night, I was like, this never happened. Give me a break. Absolute garbage, you're gonna watch out. Entertaining, sure. Clever? Yes. The devil's clever. He's very clever. Very entertaining. He was described actually in the scriptures as an angel of light. How does those things get transmitted from the screen into your brain? Through light. Photons in the Greek. He likes to brighten it up. He likes to dress it up. He likes to dazzle it out. Some of you think the devil's ugly. He's not ugly. He's gorgeous. In heaven, he was Lucifer. He was the greatest Angel in heaven, first in command of the angels, Lucifer, Gabriel, Michael. Lucifer takes a third of the angels and rebels against God in the presence of God. The first church split happened in heaven. Every church split since has been modeled after that one. Why is there so many divisions in the church? Why are there so many denominations? Because many of the Christians who say they follow Christ are actually following the devil. Dividing the people of God from each other. Accusing each other. Libeling each other. Hating on each other. We should be united. We should be family. We should be brothers and sisters. We should love one another. If someone says something nasty about your brother in Christ, you better say, you better not be talking for the devil into my ear. That's my brother, that's my sister, that's someone for whom my Savior died. Do they have faults? Yes, that's what makes us Christians. We know we got faults. We need a Savior. Anyway, back to my point. <laughs> Minimization. Did God really say, really say? And notice the word say, because he actually took out a word from what God actually did do. If we back up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, here's what it says. And the Lord God commanded. Somebody say Commanded. He didn't just say, he commanded. There's a huge difference between saying something and commanding something. Anybody with me? Parents get this. You don't say it, you command it. You don't suggest it, you declare it. That's what God does. He doesn't say anything, he commands. And he said, and so the first thing the devil does, the first thing words say here is he eliminates portions of the scripture. Every deception of the devil begins with minimization of God's word. And you need God's word. I need God's word. It's not that important, Pastor. It's not that important. Once a week, hearing you scream for 45 minutes, that's enough. It's not that important that I teach my kids the scriptures. It's not that important. Man, that's exactly what he wants you to think. And I want to tell you something. It is that important. It's that important. Do you know what the scripture calls itself? It calls itself the light. The light. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp. Unto my feet and a what? Light unto my path. In other words, when I hear your word, I know where to go. Because you light up where I should go. You illuminate the darkness. 
This world is filled with darkness. This world, the scripture says, is blinded. The eyes of unbelievers are blinded by what? By the devil. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they might not come into the knowledge of the truth. If you turn on the television, you ever ask yourself, why are those people doing that? They have been blinded. They don't see the truth. And so they walk in darkness unwittingly to their own destruction. The word of God is light. It illuminates. It shows you the way. And here's what light does. It casts out fear. You ever get scared of the dark? I want to tell you a story. It's kind of humiliating. But I was scared of the dark a couple of weeks ago, back in December. Late at night on a Monday night, I came to the church to do some work. And then I thought, I'll go down to the gym and work out. But you know what I thought, you know, and this is what I do all the time, is it's just around the corner. Why don't I just run? It was dark, you know, daylight savings, all that stuff. So it's dark. It's about 8 p.m. I run down to the gym. I get my workout in. By the way, I don't understand people who want to get the closest spot to the door at the gym. Don't understand that. I want to work out. I just don't want to work to get there. Anyway, I run from here down to there because I'm an all-star. And I run. And then I work out. I run back. And I got a little bit tired, and I'm running back, and now I've been to this place. Nobody's in the building. And I've been to this building 100 times, 300, 400 times. I'm running back, and I start to slow down, and I walk, and I'm going across our parking lot right over here. And I see it's dark in the parking lot, and I see something in the parking lot. It's like this, this like fabric-y being comes out of the woods into our parking lot. And he's kind of dancing. He's kind of like, like doing this. And going back and forth, I'm not kidding you, I saw it going back and forth from one light pole to the next. And I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> and at first I'm like, let me go check this out. Let me turn aside to see this great sight, why the fabric dances in the dark. And then he started coming toward me. And I'm like, get that behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And I booked it. I wish I could say, I was like, hey, in Jesus' name, get off our property. But I did it, I was like, holy smokes, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I ran to my car, I got in my car, I turned the light on, I drove through the parking like a madman, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Couldn't find the sucker. But I saw him as clear as day. I get on the phone. But what happened was, what happened was I left my wallet and the, in the church and the door unlocked. Like it's not worth it, I'm leaving it open. So I get, I get on the car phone, I'm like, I, call, I call our executive pastor because he's in charge of all that stuff. I said, Shane, you gotta get over here. I saw something in the parking lot. It looked like a ghost. I don't know what it was. He's like, are you kidding me? What are, where are you? I'm like, no, I'm serious, you gotta do it. And by the way, I left my wallet in the church and the door is open. Can you come lock the door? He said, absolutely no problem. I'll send my wife, Marianne, right over couple of strong men of God leading this church. Come on, somebody. God help you. Here's what I don't want you to miss. Story's funny, but it has a point. Even familiar places can become anxious places when you don't have the light. I wonder here today, your familiar places have become anxious places because you're living in the dark. Your marriage is becoming anxious. Your kids 
Your parenting's becoming English. Your job, your money. You used to have a hold on this stuff. You used to know what you were doing. Now there's anxiousness, anxiety up in here. By the way, why do people say, I have anxiety so stinking much? I have anxiety. Who told you to say that? Well, the doctor, who told him to say that? You, you understand that there is no such thing as an anxiety gene. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You can have a bunch of genes that make up who you are. There's no anxiety gene. Where's this coming from? Lies, man. It's infiltrated into the, into the sciences of our culture. And America has glorious homes, beautiful infrastructure, wonderful shores, endless options for entertainment and enjoyment, and yet the home is filled with fear and depression. Where does this come? It's not a thing. It's a spirit. Where does that spirit come from? The father of lies. If you want to live in the dark and be anxious all your life, be my guest. I don't want to. The psalm said, Psalm 32, verse 7 says this, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. That's who I want. That's what I want. Psalm 121, 7 to 8, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going, and you're coming out, coming in from this time forth and forever. 2 Timothy 4:18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want that truth in my heart. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The devil, write this down, the devil seeks to minimize God's truth so that he can maximize his lies. Get you out of the Bible and into the lies. It's 2020. It's an election year. I hope you are reading the scriptures far more than you're reading the news. I hope you're in church far more than ever before in your life. This is where you get the light. Number two, if the devil can't minimize the word of God, he will create it as if it's limitation. Number two, he will redefine God's word as limitation, not maximization. Limitation means God's word is keeping you from the good life. This is, this is exactly what the devil does. The devil wants you to believe that God's word is keeping you from the goodies. Isn't it just like God? To keep you from happiness, to keep you from joy. He's such a killjoy, that God of yours. You remember the end of The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino? A fantastic movie, 100% accurate, by the way. I would, I would advise you to watch it on TNT, not actually the real thing, because it's kind of gross. But it's very accurate. What does he say at the end? I'm a fan of man. I'm a fan of yours. Look at what he's telling you. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, but don't enjoy. I've watched that movie a lot. <laughs> because it's accurate. Genesis 3, 1b. Did God actually say you shall not eat any tree? Isn't that just like God? 
All these beautiful trees are off limits. Oh, she says. And then she gets into a conversation. The woman said, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can eat them all except there's that one. Verse 3, she says, you know, there's that one in the midst of the garden. You can't eat it. You can't even touch it. Notice that. You can't even touch it. Where did that touch come from? Now she's starting to focus on what she can't have. This is exactly the devil's strategy. But the serpent said to him, you won't die. God knows if you eat that one, you're going to be like him. He's very jealous. He's very jealous. He wants to keep you from the goodies. Here's what you have to understand. I want you to write this down. The devil wants to focus your attention on the thing you don't have and then get you to blame God for it. Man, does he do that today like never before. He does this with comparison, with Facebook and Instagram. Look at their life. Look at them. They're enjoying life. Look at you. You're sitting on your couch with potato chip grease on your chin. What a loser you are. You need what they have to be happy. You need to be married to be happy. You need to have kids to be happy. You need that to be happy. You need that car to be happy. You need the house to be happy. Don't you understand that God is keeping you? All that money you give to the church, don't you see how much you've lost? Don't you see how much it will cost you? Though the devil loves to say that and then get you to blame God. Why are you letting this happen to me, God? But this is exactly what he does time and time again. Devil loves social media. That's why we're fasting it, by the way. The devil loves social media because he gives you 24-hour streaming of momentary events of strangers' lives for you to compare yourself with at any time. Wow, what a game plan. Kudos, devil. That was good. Got to admit. And I was on vacation this past week. And I saw uh, this a couple of weeks ago. I was on the, on the cruise, and I just want to say, you know, you see those pictures of people so happy on vacation. <laughs> and here's what happens. I saw it because I saw it. I saw it. And I was like, everybody get, everybody get in the picture. Everybody get and smile. 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 <laughs> Snap. Upload. And then you're like, oh. Look at them. They're so happy. Why am I not so happy? I want to be happy like them. But you didn't see seconds after the picture, they're screaming at each other. Miserable. Their drink is warm. They don't like the, 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 the sun or the, they don't like the, the clouds or, or they got a sunburn now and they're oiling up, they're aloeing up in the room afterwards and, and, they're, and they're blistering now at home because they spent too much time in the sun. That moment was captured for you to measure yourself by it for the rest of your day. I was at the comedy show on the last night of the cruise. The comic said, it was so true. He said, I can't believe this ship. This is a miracle. He said, the people who are working 12 hours a day for minimal wages on this ship are happier than the people who are on vacation. <laughs> he was 100% right. Maybe, just maybe, the thing that we think is going to make us happy won't. Where does that come from? The devil is a liar. And discipleship is learning. Let's write this down. Discipleship is learning to love and trust the word of God because God's commands are not demands. Oh, I hope you write that down. God's commands are not demands. God's commands are not demands. What was the scripture? What was the, the message about today? God's commands are not demands. He commands, he doesn't demand. He needs nothing from you. That means that everything he says to you is good for you. 
That's how you know you can trust him. The scripture says in Psalm 112, 1 to 3, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the mighty will be blessed. I mean, upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Your heavenly father is a father, and he loves you. What would you think if my kids came into this building and their clothes were all tattered and they were torn and they didn't have nice haircuts and they had, you know, bruises on them and, or they had, you know, just gunk under their fingernails and all that kind of stuff. They just looked terrible. What would you think about me? You say, what the heck? What kind of a father? Some people think God is the father who wants his kids to look like that. Where do you get that idea? Where do you get that idea? He's a heavenly father. He loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. He said, ask and you shall receive. He said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm with you to the very end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't you understand? I love you with an everlasting love. I have got you in the palm of my hand, and no man shall pluck you out. You are the apple of my eye. You are made in my image, and you are destined for great things because God in heaven is a good, loving, heavenly Father. The third way the devil tries to get us to distrust God's word is instigation. God's word is against you. Instigation, number three. God's word is against you. God doesn't want what's good for you. We already talked about this. This can be a short point. Verse 4, he says, The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, you will be like God. Notice the way the devil builds the argument to instigate antagonism. Listen, listen. The devil builds the lie to instigate antagonism between you and God. How many people are living that lie every single day? I'm not going to church. No way. No way. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God's done with me. I know he's done with me. And frankly, I'm done with him. Where does that, where does that come from? Maybe you're listening to the wrong voice. The devil says to the woman, don't you understand he's against you? Don't you understand he doesn't really care about your goodness? He just wants you to be a servant, just to be a slave. Really? The scripture says that he gave them dominion and authority, rule and subdue and enjoy creation. Some people get so upset that God doesn't intervene in the problems of this world. And so they blame God for the problems of this world, but the problems of this world are because mankind was given dominion and abdicated dominion to the devil. The problems of this world, the wars of this world, the tribulation of this world is not God's fault. It's ours. I see starving people on the television set. Yeah, but have you heard that the dictator takes money from this country every single year and pads his pockets and starves his people? Then you're going to blame God for that? Are you insane? Listen to me very carefully, friend. This is the strategy of the devil to keep you away from God. Because he knows how good it is. He was there. And now he wanders this earth waiting for his eternal judgment, trying to bait you into it. Because misery loves company. 
So they sin, and then God shows up. And it says, they heard the Lord walking in the garden, and they hid. How many people are hiding today? They hid from who? From him. Among the trees. What's your tree that you're hiding behind right now? What's your tree? You're hiding behind it. Oh, my house. Oh, my friends. Oh, my lifestyle. My identity. This is who I am. Hiding. You're hiding from the one who can heal you. You're hiding from the one who can love you. You're hiding from the one. Look what it says. Verse 9. The Lord God called to the man. It wasn't, I knew it. I knew you'd do this. It wasn't, come here, it's time to kill you. It wasn't, honestly, I leave this place for five seconds. Look at the mess you made. Where are you? Hear the voice of the Lord today calling out to you. God is the first seeker in the scriptures. And he's seeking you. Hiding behind that tree, hiding behind that success, hiding behind your stuff, your plans, your drugs, your alcohol, your addiction, your gambling. Hiding. Turning the lights off in your life, hoping that you can get away with it. And here comes God. See, there's the truth of the scriptures. God seeks sinners who mistakenly believe the devil's lies. And this is why they hated Jesus. The religious people hated Jesus for this because he kept hanging out with sinners all the time. And he goes to a guy's house. His name is Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm following you. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. And then he says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Don't you understand that God is the seeker? He seeks after Adam and Eve. He seeks after Cain. When Cain wants to kill his brother, God comes and says, Cain, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do it. He seeks after David out, out in that field watching those sheep. He seeks after Abraham, who is lost in the Ur of the Chaldees. He seeks after Moses, who's on the backside of a desert for 40 years gathering sheep. God comes and finds. He seeks after Peter. Peter denies the Lord three times. Three times Peter denies the Lord. Jesus gets out of the grave, talks to the angel, talks to the woman and says, hey, tell my disciples and Peter that I'll see them again. He sought after Nicodemus. He sought after those disciples. He sought after those thousands who followed him. And I'm telling you right now, he's seeking you to take you from the devil's lies and plant you in his truth. The question is, will you hear his word and receive it?